It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Glad to be back. Always good talking about Gleep, especially we can uh, double it up. Indeed, we can. We've got a, we've got a, a Ledette Entertainment double bill, if you will. Uh, the first one is there's a taped broadcast from Nagayo Aichi Naka Sports Centered Second Stadium. 295 in attendance for a house show, basically. That's what we're looking for. It opened with Jan's family, Masato Kamino, Takenori Ito, Yusuke Kadyama going up against 60 seconds, Jung Tansho, Titsu Izuchi, and Shinya Ishida. Ishida, I think, making his debut. I can't remember seeing him before in Glate. Um, you might have different news on that, Marcus. But yeah, this was a fun little opener, the kind of thing they've been doing to develop Jan's family as a faction. What did you think of this one? No, like you said, continue growth and showcase another faction. Uh, obviously, like I said, they're trying different variations on styles uh, in terms of aesthetic, uh, which has gotten better, I think, for both of us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we also know 60 Seconds is uh, extremely incredible, but, uh, you know, they've been building this faction along with, uh, obviously, back generation. And, uh, yeah, they're racking up, this family's racking up wins, and that's what, they, that's what happened here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's um, Tom Show, Izuki, and Yoshida were fun to watch, but they weren't winning this match. It was not about them in any way, shape, or form. It was about the gentleman in the aprons. Again with the aprons. But here you go. Um, next up, we had Michiko Miyagi defeated Yukinari Hosokawa, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Hosokawa is a different animal to the one that wrestled six months ago. She's much more rounded, has much more presence about her. And Miyagi would have dismissed Hosaka quite easily last year. But this was a much more even-tempered matchup, I thought, even though Miyagi was still the dominant person. What did you think of this? Because I thought this was a bit more interesting than what we saw out of Hosokawa last year. Yeah, I think she's only gotten better. And then obviously, maybe if she's been watching tape and watching her face off with uh, Fukuda, she's been seeing maybe some potential cheeks in the armor. Um, and it was interesting watching this be a, um, uh, obviously just a regular singles match because I think, um, obviously Miyagi, I think, dominated a lot of it. But uh, Yukara managed to find a lot of her spots and with pinning combinations and some submission instances. And I think she might almost fared better um, in a way if this had been a UWF match because I think she would have caught her a couple times um, in terms of uh, having to force a rope break. But uh, yeah, she, you know, she, I think she did well picking her spots. Um, like I said, good um, submission instances and, and uh, pinning combinations. Um, but Miyagi is, is pretty much a vet to her. So in a lot of ways, so she, she pulled it up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Next, we move on to you. It's, we are kind of flying through this card, but there wasn't an awful lot that historically happened too much. Like, there wasn't a ton of stuff that was really important. The first kind of big storyline thing is this match next. Uh, Uiskip defeated Issei Onitsuka, Onitsuka. Now, Onitsuka is a member of the Gleet Regular Army and technically is a member of Strong Hearts as well and has been since 2018. 
But generally for this storyline, he's considered a member of the Glate regular army. Um, but Yan's family keep kidnapping him and telling him he's in Yan's family, which he doesn't like. <laughs> and Yuiska takes the win here because obviously Enetsuka is distracted by Yan's family, who again kidnapped him at the end of this match. Yeah, the family drama gets you every time, don't it? Um, yeah, I, I, so, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say this is heavily reminiscent of the WCW Latino World Order storyline where Eddie Guerrero made Rey Mysterio Jr. be a member of the LWO, <laughs> even though he didn't want to be, and gave yes. a massive secret to embarrass him. It's, it's interesting, obviously, uh, Ray got uh, some big news this week, uh, you know, heading into Mania season. I was, I was in the middle of Mania season, I should say. Um, and he's, it seems that his uh, wrestling tenure is riddled with family drama, specifically right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, this match was interesting. Like, these two are, these, uh, two are very matched, um, very well-matched, good opponents. Um, obviously, I think you would look at, them and say Issei will probably have the you know the power advantage and whatnot, um, but he was you know very feisty and can you know hold his own and give it to the best of them. I think he ended up showing at the end he uh, ended up being a power guy with that uh, last minute German that he caught him with, uh, which was a surprise. But it was again just showcasing the UN officer, like you said, Issei being distracted. Um, but uh, yeah, he was uh, on a roll right now. It's good to see. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it kind of develops this story time between Onitsuka and um, Yan's family. I'm intrigued to see where this goes because it's just stupid fun. <laughs> um, next up, we had Czech Shimadani and Galino Del Mal of your bulk orchestra going up against OJ Shiba and Shigehiro Iri. This one went to a referee's decision after Galino Del Mal basically obliterated Shiba. Um, this was fun watching Del Mal just destroy people. Let's have more of that. It's it's nice. It's a nice change of pace on the Glade Show. Never thought I'd say that, but Kalina Del Mal is a bit more than your average massive luchador. He, well, he isn't even your average massive luchador. He's really massive. He's a great luchador, and he's really massive. Um, and Czech Shimitani is the brilliant barking little dog by his side making him angry. It's just great. I just love this tag team. They were fun. Um, Iri and Shiba were kind of on a bit of a I didn't nothing, but again, it's kind of like making, you know, it's kind of old school. Del Mal is a draw, you know, as an individual, and it's kind of old school Andre the Giant style booking. You, you know, it's not about you. It's about this massive guy who can do things. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, it's a very unique um, way of thinking about it because obviously it, it's 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 it can be both. Uh, I think obviously the initial thought process behind it is, is being selfless because obviously you're propping this guy up who's already halfway to the sky anyway, right? Yeah. Then, yeah. then you could be like selfish because it's it's very much way of how you draw attention to yourself by drawing attention to him because obviously, like you say, he's being a little gnat in his ear. And then obviously you piss him off and then you can, you know, very much capitalize on that by how you kind of, you can't control him, but you can aim him in certain spots uh, through the match, which obviously led to a win. I think they ended, did they end it with a power driver? Yeah, that and was match it. Which is, as somebody who's, you know, 
you saw this Americanized, over-saturated uh, wrestling uh, moves of it all, getting people's stuff in. Uh, it's just nice to see, you know, some honor being brought back to the pile drive in terms of being a finisher. It's amazing. Me and John um, did a show on the Fabulous Royal Brothers, which we'll see soon. And in the Fabulous Royal Brothers matches back in the 1950s, we saw pile drivers, paradise locks, and power bombs as just continuous maneuvers. Because that was the style of wrestling back then. And it's a bit bizarre that we, you know, I, you're right, we're absolutely overexposed to certain things and certain things should be finishes that aren't finishes. And like I watched that old British wrestling and all the stuff was there, but it was just like people just carried on. <laughs> rub the red, no, take a take a pile driver and then just rub the red and get on with it. And it's like it, 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 wrestling's all about how you sell and the style of where you sell, and that's the bit that makes it fascinating for me. Like you know, a good pile driver should be the end of the match, you know, because that's how it was pitched in Memphis, wasn't it? Like it could damn near kill a guy. That's why it was banned. So you know, as soon as you ban something, you make it far more interesting. Yeah, it's probably you know, you know, maybe too oversimplified for some fans, but like you know, much like a middle finger getting dropped on your head is universal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you get dropped on your head. You get dropped on your head. Yeah, that's it. It's it's yeah, it's um, it's the culture of wrestling moves in certain places has intrigued me always. Like um, tilt a world back breaker in Mexico is just kind of a bit of an insult. Like it's the middle finger. If you do that to your opponent, that's kind of like implying that you're slow enough to get caught with it. And whereas it's like a major set move in North American wrestling, it's just just because you know of Scott Steiner adopting it. Really. It's strange how things go, but let us move on to the semi-main event. El Lindemann and T-Hawk of Strong Hearts take a win of Hayato Tamura and Kazuma Sakamoto. 14 minutes and five seconds. Bit of a thriller, this one. And uh, Strong Hearts taking a win, which has been, I wouldn't say unusual, but Bork Orchestra do have a tendency to kind of like figure away past Strong Hearts a lot of the time. But Lindemann and T-Hawk are two of the senior members of Strong Hearts, so maybe it's not a surprise. And, you know, L. Lindemann's freaking L. Lindemann. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? No, absolutely. I said it, you know, so early on when we first began doing these Gleep uh, reviews, man. Like, you, uh, you either got to match vocal orchestra's energy or you got to surpass it. And I think they did a real great job of dictating pace both inside and outside of the ring, because that's what you have to do. Obviously, Boca Orchestra, you know, plays a lot of games, you know, very tight in terms of cohesion inside the ring, but they also are able to dictate a lot more of the pace because they have a numbers game outside the ring. So it plays a lot of, obviously, both uh, into the physical, but more so the mental, because um, you feel like they're coming from everywhere. But I think Lindemann and T-Hawk were very much on their game and stayed, stayed on top of everything long enough to kind of outlast them towards the end, which is what you're going to have to do with Boko Kess. You get a lot of times it's, you know, who can, you know, outlast these guys because they can go. So, um, they, you know, it's always cool to see Strong Horse pull out a win because this is like, you know, Strong Horse versus Boko Kestra. And, and now it's kind of like the song is old as time, old as rhyme type of deal, uh, uh, which is kind of more friendly now, obviously, with Black Generation International trying to take over. So, um this was just fun to watch. Fun to watch. And like I said, you don't oftentimes see vocal orchestra get a lot of L's. So when they actually take one, you can appreciate it more. Indeed, definitely. Yeah. Uh, main event, Pit Kowakant, Shima, Kaz Hayashi, and Minoru Tanaka. Shima is in two factions within Glate. 
uh, Collacants is the other faction. They are the kind of like the senior members of the Glate Wrestling roster. They tagged up with Summer Watanabe to defeat Black Generation International, Hartley Jackson, Kato Ishii, your G-Rex champion, Katoru Suzuki and Yutani. 18 minutes and 51 seconds. This was a best of three, four match. Shima took the first fall against Katoru Suzuki kind of in surprising fashion with a roll-up at 1 minute and 54. Hartley Jackson then pinned Samoa Watanabe at 5 minutes and 5 seconds. And Samoa Watanabe, interestingly, took the winning pinfall against Chitani at 15 minutes 54. Now, Samoa Watanabe has been on not unlike the best of winning form as of late. Um, and he is the youngest member of the team. But equally, he's kind of highly thought of within great circles. He's obviously going to be the rising young star. Um, so this was interesting. There was lots of moving parts within this match. Uh, what did you think of this one, Marcus? Definitely, like, you know, I also want to get to, I mean, this, this was like, um, it was a solid card. Nothing too, you know, fancy, you know, nothing horrible. But kind of just, you're running the mill, nice, solid show. Um, but I think this capped it off well, um, you know, because I was, like I said, Black International was kind of taking over. And, and, and doing their thing but um in terms of you know coming off of what you just said like you know this is the time where you know the, the young man could very much pick and take his spot specifically against somebody like what, what nicky penny like you said mm-hmm. he's very much up and coming himself and making a name for himself um which would be harder to do in a fashion like black generation because i mean obviously harley jackson is physically intimidating k tools the champion the Kataro, uh you know is doing his thing so you can kind of get easy to get lost in the shuffle, as with Watanabe, when you've got Minoru, Kaz, and Sima, who kind of seasoned in the game. So I think he did well to, uh, I also think he closed it out with a 450, which obviously gets eyes on you instantly. So mm. um, it was cool. It was a back and forth, good. You didn't really know where it was going to go at certain times. Obviously, Black Generation held a lot of the, uh, dictated a lot of the pace. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, Cold Cass came in and got it back, man. I see Cold Cass and Strong Cars pull out, pull out these wins because, like I said, it's uh, it don't happen a lot, you know. No, not especially as they're currently trying to establish um, black um, black generation. That you know, it's it's like they can't lose too often. They're no longer this dominant invading force, are they? So yeah, there's that really. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it was a good show. This was on the 23rd of February, so we're going back a little bit now. It was a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it was a good, fun show to watch. I don't think overall there was anything really barn-burning, and there was no major news. It was just kind of continuations of the storylines that had really been established in version 34. But having said that, it's always fun wrestling to watch Glee. Have you got any other rounding comments to make, Marcus? No, I absolutely agree with you. Like I said, it was just, you know, it was... It was the not nice, nice, easy day on, on the on the. <laughs> like I say, it's it's never gonna be you know subpar because it's you know like I say we always pick up this roster, um, but you know let's say like you said it kind of just kind of just went as you do as you go, um, and not every show needs to be you know like a a summer slam if you will so, um, yeah. solid card and uh, you know good and, and it was also cool to see him in, in, in I think a gymnasium. Was a, a switch up a little bit and uh, a smaller crowd, but I think obviously they appreciated it. So, yeah, solid call. Yeah, definitely. And um, we're going to from the sublime to the ridiculous, <laughs> um, as we so often do in the professional wrestling world. This morning, 
um, I was flicking through my feed and there was a picture of Chris Brooks, uh, Chris Brooks of DDT Professional Wrestling, who was, well, let's be honest, pushing the face of the DDT mascot, Pacano, I can never remember his name right, into the behind of a member of Pheromones, because um, that happens on DDT all the time. I'm sure, Marcus, you're not a DDT fan, but you're well aware of their intriguing approach to the professional wrestling business. Yes, sir. Um, and um, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter influencer and comedian Ruth Husko, who obviously knows nothing about wrestling but follows me, um, was like, thought <laughs> to be blunt, she said, is this about anal? And I was like, well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and then I explained the whole situation to her and she was like sorry and I said basically if you were watching a wrestling promotion it's about people from the Midlands where she lives because Chris Brooks is from where she lives um and 90s dancing and and obscure sexual references so Ruth this is the promotion for you and I sent her to Wrestling Universe so that she can go and invest and research more stuff if she wants to that was my morning. <laughs> Anywho. There's uh, almost a whole different podcast we could do on this, like how you've been like this, this, this weird gateway to like complete wrestling novices into the weirdest or the most, <laughs> you know, left forms of thing. But it's great because like I said, you're like a wrestling encyclopedia. So you're arming them with the proper knowledge. Yes. To go into these things. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a hell of a dive. Yeah, it, 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 here's Chris Brooks from Tipton wrestling a mascot. Um, and here is a picture of Pheromones, a faction of sex pests. What more do you need to know? There's a Sunday morning for you. Anyway, let's move on to something quite more serious, but there's other things we can talk about. Lately, you know, we have three, version three. This was from Shinjuku Face, the world's most famous wrestling nightclub in Tokyo, Japan. And it opened with, well, it opened actually with the great roster presenting themselves in traditional UWF fashion, from UWF back in the day, um, presenting themselves for, for the audience's approval. And the matches opened with Mei Fukuda going up against Yura Suzuki. Um, this one was set up, I think it was at version five. Um, there was a tag match between um, Miyagi and Fukuda against Suzuki. And one of the Sendai girls, his name escapes me. And Suzuki and Fukuda had a, quite a bit of a banger uh, in that tag match, and they have a rematch here. Six minutes and 15 seconds with a knockout for Fukuda, but she did look so confident in this match. She's kind of in her element in this style of wrestling. Suzuki is really good as well. I love watching Euro Suzuki. So this was a lot of fun for me to watch. Um, didn't seem to be a lot of fun to be in it, because <laughs> there were some mm. heavy shots in this. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Oh, this was good. I could watch these girls go... Um few more times this, this was some good stuff specifically coming off of the, some of the heat they you know garnered with each other in tag um because mario's uh fakuda's been really growing in this in this style and both in um you know execution uh, of the style and in confidence like you just said i think you're coming off of that tag match very much had you know you know was aware and then knew like i got the you know, I got to get this girl down and got to take her down quick, which is why those two arm balls were so kind of alarming for me. Obviously, I'm, you know, biased to Fakuda, but um, but it was smart for her to take her down quick and take her down immediately with those uh, 
those arm bars. But I think she caught out the gate with twice. Um, and you didn't kind of didn't know, but you know, again, to your point about the confidence, she kept ahead. She didn't try to rush because I think in past matches she get behind and try to rush and ended up getting herself caught. But she stayed calm. You know, allowed herself to find those spots. Very much dropped your. I think that first knockout kind of dazed her for the rest of the match. It felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of just she she capitalized, but it was it was worse there for a minute because I was like. I always get audible with Fakuda's matches. Um, Why? Well, because, you know, she's going, I'm like, damn it, all ball. Like, I think it's like it was so weird. Because <laughs> it's like I said, these are, these matches kind of like chess to me. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was fun. Like you said, just fun. Suzuki, um, very credible, very good. She's coming along as well. Um, but Fakuda's really honing that confidence, and as small as she is, a lot of times maybe probably smaller than a lot of her opponents, not by a tremendous mark, but she does have a particular frame. She's becoming like a sudden knockout artist in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and it's it's, it's mm-hmm. been it's been really cool to see. Definitely, <laughs> she's grown as a character, even though this promotion isn't really character based. It's just bunch yeah. of people hitting each other but it's there's, there's a development there you can see it in her persona and stuff which is really cool to see now this entire show was based around the ledette uwf title tournament now this being a shoot style show it wasn't a tournament that was going to happen over one night it's going to happen over numerous cards um and you had some members of the regular glade army on this particular tournament and some high profile guests which we'll talk about later but first of all you isca were defeated Minoru Tanaka in two minutes and 26 seconds. Minoru Tanaka, of course, is the booker of this division, um, is the advisor. He was a UWF original. He is a proper shoot stylist. Um, and Iska taking a big win here, very much a kind of passing of the torch moment. Um, a lot of feels in this particular match as Minoru Tanaka just got beat. The big boss veteran, the special one, uh, was taken down by Yusuke. So that was a very intriguing opening tournament match. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Because there's not a lot to say about what happened. It was all over very quickly. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to give me this outcome that fast. Um, but it was fun. It was good. This is this, what I appreciate about these matches is you can't really predict them, but this is going back to that, that quick conversation we just had about, you know, how wrestling moves are taken uh, differently in different places. Um, this is just straight up realism. Like, like you said, Minoru is the vet. He's the, you know, guy that's home for these situations. He's battle tested, you know, um, in a lot of different forms in these matches. And you was the young gunner who's coming up, building himself up, and obviously got a lot of spunk and spice and coming off and win himself. But you would imagine he would have been kind of outmaneuvered here. And that's not how that went. He got him quick. He got him early. He got a tight submission. And he, he, he put the vet down. And it was a great show of respect. Um between the two after the match and and uh also i think this is probably one of the biggest i feel like this is one of the biggest wins we've seen you get um and then and, and it was a uh, double prom because obviously it's for the tournament and then obviously it's against a vet like Minoru, which you know means a great deal in this company so um it was cool to see and like i said this is the unpredictability but the the greatness that comes with these uwf matches is you know um there is no, you know, this is going to be a 30-minute classic. No, this is going to be what it's going to be, <laughs> when it's going to be, you know. So I appreciated that. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you, you you genuinely don't know who's going to turn up, and you don't know what it's going to be like. I wouldn't mind seeing you this year against Minoru Suzuki and UWF rules. I think it'd be a very different uh, kind of story to tell now than it was six months ago when the last time they met when you were kicking. So it'd be intriguing. The second match was Shinya Aoki going up against Tetsuya Izuchi. Eight minutes and 18 seconds. Shinya Aoki, for those of you who don't know, is a regular in DDT Pro Wrestling. Yes, the one we were talking about earlier with the sports people in the sex pass. Yeah. Yeah. Aoki normally wrestles for DDT, but it's actually a proper badass shooter. So he got a chance to stretch off the skills that made him famous um, before he became part of DDT in this particular match. Izuchi is brilliant, really hard-working, but Aoki never really looks in danger in this particular match. He seemed to have everything under control, um, and that's what made this entertaining. It was watching a veteran trying to control a younger guy. So this was cool. I enjoyed this. It was a different story to tell. What did you think of it? No, same. Absolutely. It was, it was good to tell. Also, this is my introduction to um, Zuki, but um, it was, you know, it was good. This is another great way of introducing people um, throughout the company in these uh, scenarios. So Aoki was, you know, another veteran coming in and this looked great, you know. I almost like to see him go against. Speaking of, you know, you know, last match, go against somebody like Minoru and see how these vets can grind it out against each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was fun because, like you said, it never seemed like he was in danger, even though the Suya backed him into a corner at a at a at a point. But again. But, um, yeah, you know, he, again, much like Fukuda did in her match, kept calm, uh, found the spots and dictated the pace to get the win. Obviously, this is just this is just a building block for Azuki. Uh, I mean, Tetsuya, so um, he'll be back. Um, I mean, it would have been cool to see him and, him and you uh, battle it out, but obviously, you know, this, this tournament kind of dictates a different pace. So it's going to be fun seeing, uh, you know, Aoki and you meet maybe you know, later in the tournament. Definitely. We then had two returning guests, Hideki Sakani, more popular known as Shrek, going up against Sichi Ikimoto, uh, who with Sakani taking this one by knockout. Ikimoto is probably the more classical style, was it shoot style wrestler, whereas Sakani is the big lad in which very hard. <laughs> That's not to say he isn't a submission specialist, but he's a big lad that is very hard. That's his job, and he does it really, really well. He wins this one by knockout. Seven minutes and 39 seconds. We've seen Ekimoto do some wonderful things, but there is something just glorious in the joy of Sakani just haymakering people around. And that's what this match was like. Um, but a lot of fun to watch. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? It was funny because obviously this match started a different way in such a way that Ikimoto probably would have eventually got a, a win, which is where it would look like it was leading to. And then all of, all of a sudden after he kind of got dropped a second time. He most, um it seemed like um Hideki was like, wait a minute, I'm a Hulk. <laughs> let me let me Hulk him. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Um so that was fun. Cause I think the last outing that we saw him in, it was kind of like it had one of the weirdest finishes we saw because um like something was happening, but that's not how the decision went in the match. Hmm. 
So, um, oh, that was, that was the shoot fight night, wasn't it? When he dressed yeah. um, Dan Tamora. Yeah, was, was, yeah. 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 It was, like one person was more dominant than the other, but the decision went the other way. It was. It was. It was probably one of the weirdest finishes we've seen. But um, yeah, this, this was fun because, like, like I said, he almost had to remember that he was a strong man because it started out, you know, grappling back and forth, going to the ground, kind of shoot style, and uh, that's not necessarily the pace that he can dictate. So it, it was fun seeing him try, but I think from now on he needs to uh, go with what he knows because he got dazed there a couple times, and I thought it was over, but. Again, the unpredictability of these matches is you can never count anybody out. Absolutely, definitely not. We had then a bit of a, a break from the norm as we had a UWFI Rules Tag Team match. Daichi Hashimoto and the living legend that is Tatsuo Nakano, they defeated Kazayashi and Muni Fujiwara of Australia in 10 minutes and 21 to 20 seconds. This is not Kazayashi's wheelhouse. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination you know he's, he's a he's a he's a wrestler he's a, he's a pro he's a lucha guy um so seeing him here was ace um tatsum nakano we've now literally seen him beating people up over the course of the last four decades um back when um me and christy did the in the beginning series the first match we looked at was minoru suzuki versus tatsum nakano from UW, the original UWF back in night, you know, the second UWF back in nineteen eighty eight, which will tell you how long he's been doing this. <laughs> he's been doing this even longer than Minoru Suzuki. Um, and he's still, he's, he doesn't look any different. He looks match fit. He looks ready to go. Mustache, mullet, and a quiff. That's it. That's what you get with Tatsuya Nakano. Doesn't change. But there you go. What did you think of this one, Marcus? If it ain't broke, um, yeah, that's it. And is a bullet ever broken? Hey, that's not when it's done right. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's always interesting watching the, you know, the, these particular uh, style matches and, and tag team forms because it really plays into another mental layer of it when you kind of see somebody, like you said, maybe not used to this particular style or kind of range because we've seen Kaz in a lot of tag. Uh, We've seen Kaz in tag situations, so he's kind of lent more to that style in a way where he can kind of ease up with the but with the UWF of it all, kind of dictates a different pace. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it was ace to see him in these scenarios because, you know, it kind of can either bring out the best or worst in somebody. And I think, obviously, you know, he got some ways to go with it, like you said. But it was a good outing, but the other, the, I guess the better team took it. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just unique seeing these in, in tag form because oftentimes it could become so singular when you're in there with somebody, very much having to think on your feet, and then you remember like, oh, I can I can share this burden, you know. So yeah, definitely. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that tag match too. So but we got back down to the serious business. And it don't get much more serious than Takenori Ito versus Dan Tamura now, does it? Nine minutes, 27 seconds. Big lads wrestling. Proper big lads wrestling with some big lads throwing each other about. I love Dan Tamura. I love Takenori Ito. This was my thing. Just watching them hurtle each other around the ring. This was not your technical submission specialists kind of affair. This was about big suplexes and throws. And Takenori Ito landed the Avalanche German on Dan Tamura, and that was all she wrote. 
and this was brilliant. Just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm rather annoyed that the only match on this guitar that's got a cage match rating is Shinya Aoki versus Tetsuya Rizuchi. Well, there is a lot of matches that lasted less than five minutes and therefore don't get a score. But there you go. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Because I think it was a bit in your wheelhouse too. No, absolutely. You know, we, we Ito fans here. Um, and then, you know, Dan comes and brings his own flavor to it. But like I said, this, this wasn't no... You didn't need to overthink this. Just sit back, watch it, enjoy, and, and get an ice pack if you need it, you know? Um, this was just good. You know, I could, I could have watched these guys another, you know, 20 some odd minutes. This was just good stuff. Um, and I love saying he told these, these singular situations because he's just such a beast, um, in these scenarios. So yeah, you know, all, you know, classic avalanche German, beautiful execution is always flawless. And, uh, that'll take most guys out. So, you know, Dan was putting work in, but once you get that avalanche, it's kind of like you said, it's all she wrote. He could, he could literally name, rename the move all she wrote. She wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, definitely. Then we get into the main event of the evening, the local great wrestler, Summer Watanabe, who had the honor of the microphone at the opening of the show to represent Gleet, went up against Takira Sato. Now, if that name sounds familiar, regular listeners of this show, that's because last week, me and John were discussing Hikura Sito because he was on the All-Star Junior Festival 2023 Tagging with Raisuki Taguchi and Yumihito Inamari whilst wearing Virgin Killer sweaters um, in one of the, you know, because it, it was it's Taguchi, so he's he's come up with this idea and, you know, on a show booked by um, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, who is going to, like, add the weirdness. And then five days later, he's on this show in the main event against Soma Watanabe, stripped down killer. And that's what this match was about. Sato had too many chops for Watanabe in this particular situation. Um, but it was a really good main event. It was really stiff and it was very watchable. 30 minutes and 12 seconds. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? So I'm right behind you again, of course. Um, you know, and it's very much intriguing watching that stand up because when you see somebody get um, kind of stunned days and knocked up our slap is different. It was, you know, uh, wasn't necessarily a ton of trying to find too much of that ground game, which we got from a lot of matches. Uh, so seeing them kind of try to stand up and take each other's head off in a lot of ways. Um, it was cool. It was good. Like you said, took a lot of chops, um, which are not fun in any scenario. Um, but Sato came and, 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 and pulled it out, you know, um, uh, 13 minutes and 12 seconds well spent. Good main event. Obviously, it's a, you know, tournament match, so it moves on to the ne- to the next round. Um, but he's going to have his hands more than full if he, he meets up with Ito, so. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, this match was great. This card was overall really cool. The concept is really cool. I like it. I mean, Sato was a good choice in the main event. As John said last week, he's a guy who was equally at home doing incredibly daft stuff. Uh, in a DDT style, or just having great knock-your-block-off wrestling matches, and this was just writing up his alley with Watanabe. Watanabe was a good person to do it with, so this is great. I'm not sure if it's been announced when the next show is going to be. Are you looking forward to it, Marcus? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've really, you know, kind of um, found such a liking to these UWF uh, matches because it, it just 
it plays in so many different scenarios as you're watching the matches, and they do a great job of throwing guys who are, are both home to this craft of it and uh, not, which, you know, creates a variety called even when it's, you know, uh, UWF-based. So, um, you know, and also you throw, you throw the, the woman in there as well. And then now with the UWF title, you know, being a thing, it's it's uh, it's only going to create more buzz and, and uh, make, you know, this style more prominent. So definitely looking forward to it. And certainly see who ultimately, you know, pulls out the crown with this. I might be early on being um, calling for Ito, but I don't think that's a bad choice. I don't think freaking Ito in any situation is a bad choice. So. <laughs> Uh, we have, let's see, the next show is going to be on the 15th of March. It's version 46. Uh, it will feature Onitskaya and Iska versus uh, 60 Seconds. It will be versus T-Hawk versus John Toncho. It will have Asakawa and Miyagi against the Sendai Girls. Um, L. Lindemann versus Chechimatani. Bulk Orchestra versus Collar Counts. Uh, Shima versus Kazuma Sakamoto and in the main event it will be um, Black Generation, Yutani, Ishida and Harley Jackson up against Yan's family Oh that's going to be good Which is quite a card Oh and um, on the 4th, on the 16th and the 12th of April you've got Action Jackson, Elemental, Emperor Azteca, Flamita and El Bandito back in town as guests. Nice. And the draw has been announced for the next show, which will be Yuiska versus Takanori Ito, Shinya Aoki versus Hikaru Sato in the championship tournament. And that will be on um, the 3rd of the 7th. Sorry, that was the first, that was the 3rd of the 7th, the first one. So the next one's going to be 12th of April, will be the next round. And the final will be on the 3rd of July. So there you go. All the news caught up with from Glate. Thank you very much for your time, Marcus. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? Always a pleasure. You can find me on Twitter uh, at ParadoxKid. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Always down in chat. Okay, you can find me at Sheriff Lenstar on Twitter. You can find the show Troopity Show on Twitter. You can find me Sheriff Lenstar TX on Instagram and the Troopity Show on uh, Instagram as well. You can find us on Discord, Troopity Show Podcast, Facebook, the Troopity Show, and Patreon, Troopity Show. Well, you can keep us free forever for everyone. Thank you very much for your time today. We will be back next week. Uh, we may be looking at some GCW. That was a request from one of our correspondents. Um, we'll see what happens there. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.